Every leader has problems. Increasing your leadership intensity won't fix them in a healthy way. You need an increase of clarity. From starting businesses, leading multiple nonprofit organizations, both large and small, and a full family life, Dr. Chris McAllister learned how to shift his thinking to thrive. He will help you order your internal world so you can lead your external world. Welcome to the Site Shift Lead Podcast with Chris McAllister. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. So glad you're here. And if you're just jumping in, we're doing a series on seven mistakes everybody makes, but few learn from. And it's another way of having the site shift conversation. Uh, through this series, I've had my buddy Brett joining along. Brett, so glad you're here, man. It's good to be here. I'm uh, excited to be included in this journey. Dude, you help make it better for sure. Uh, so if you haven't listened to the other ones, you can go back and listen to them. They lay the frame, the framework and you're going to get more out of it. You can listen to this one standalone also. But everything is built on this idea of the key mistake, mistake number one, if you don't live from a secure core, you miss the benefit of using your problems to grow you. And that really helps us then move into out of a secure being, into our doing, into our relating. And as we talk about the mistake today, mistake number six, it's about relationships and it's a carryover from the conversation, mistake five, as we talked about relationships uh, for the last one. So mistake five was when we make ourself, ourselves responsible for the behavior of others. And rather than, than experiencing the benefit of attracting our most relationships, we push people away because we either try to power up, manipulate, and pressure, and that might work in the short term. Long term, it kills the quality of the relationship, or we disengage, withdraw, we pull back, and we're going to passively you know, try to control and get the response that we want. And uh, how do you avoid both of those ditches? You live in the tension by calling out your fear. You're not pretending. You're vulnerable. And you admit your fear. You want to get insight into your fear. That's the second you know, mistake that we talked about that causes you to try to control the behavior of others. And so we want to come to this place where we relax and we go, you know what? I can't control what you think of me. I'm letting go of that. Once we do that, we're ready to really understand mistake number six, which is where we insecurely try to be accepted by others. So once we start making ourselves responsible for the behavior of others and we think it's up to us to treat the people closest to us a certain way and if we uh, don't get the response we want, you know, this is what causes us to crumble, now we peel back to an even uh, deeper understanding of this. We don't have to work our way into being accepted by anybody. Uh, When I try to be accepted by others, that's coming out of insecurity, I'll miss the benefit of being able to build the party that I want to join. We're all trying to break into a party that isn't ours, and uh, we're insecurely trying to be accepted. So in college, you know, I'm walking out of a party, and it was kind of a weird thing, but a friend of mine, I ran into him, and out of insecurity, uh, and I get it, he was like, dude, walk back in with me. I was like, man, I can't. I got to go. No kidding. He offered me money to go back in with him. Uh, so his approach to life, you know, at that point is money's going to fix things. I'm going to have him go in with me and I'll feel better about myself. I wish when we were insecurely trying to be accepted by others, it was that obvious and that we could recognize it that quickly. Um, but when you're trying to break into the party, not build the party you want to be a part of, you're going to be constantly distracted. Um, and, and you're going to try to prop something up that is never going to be something that will actually uh, make you whole, make you live out of the best version of who you are because you've tried to change and coerce your way into that space rather than saying, this is who I am and these are the relationships I want. Um, for whatever reason, when I was in college, this was uh, you know, something that just captured me as something that needed to be done. But I was walking by a table of a group of people from Uzbekistan and 
Um, they definitely had their own community. They sat at their own table. And I just felt like a lot of people were walking by and ignoring them. And I wanted them to not feel ignored. And so I started eating lunch with them. And then I started playing basketball with them. And we played basketball a couple times a week. I had a few of them over to my house over the holidays because they couldn't go home. And um, that wasn't me trying to break into their party so I could be accepted. It was me wanting to help them feel welcomed and seen and known for who they were because people were walking by. So don't confuse this. This is when you look at a relational space and you say, if I could get into there, my problems would be fixed. No, it wouldn't. Uh, And then when you don't get in there, you're going to be bitter that it didn't happen. So mistake number five is about really a lot of your most important relationships. Mistake six broadens out to the larger reach, um, your larger relational circles. Uh, When I think about all the times that I've tried to say, you know, I'm going to go after this. I'm going to make this happen. You know, with Sight Shift even, I tried to break into a scene because I felt like it, the message was going to have impact there. And it didn't work. And it didn't happen. And I realized uh, that I was making the mistake that I'm trying to get into this group rather than being focused on, and that, you know, I want them to give me something. I want to get something from it rather than being focused on Who's the group around me that I can give something to right now? Um, and it was one of the most important business decisions that I've ever made, recognizing this. You know, here I am working on this content, and I'm freaking making that mistake. Uh. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm trying to get something. Where can I give something right now? And it gains the most traction. And it was waking up one morning going, okay, 90% of our income for the business is coming from this group of people. That's where I need to focus. I'm spending a majority of my energy on the 10% of the income. And there's no future promise there. I'm insecurely trying to say, I want you to listen to me. I have something to offer you. I'm not being listened to. And I found myself start to get bitter, confused, frustrated. I'm like, this is stupid. And, and because I'm focused on trying to get something, I was missing who I could give something to and actually start building what I wanted to be a part of. So this mistake is, you know, when we, when we talk through these mistakes, I've, I've made all these mistakes. That's how I know this. But changing this, and I've had a couple of the crossroads where I've done it, allows me to start going, oh, I was missing the nuance and the subtlety of focused on giving, not getting. I want to check in with you, Brett, thoughts or questions at this point. Um, I'm, I'm kind of laughing listening to this uh, because we're, I'm thinking about a friend um, that I have, and we give him crap all the time because we always say he doesn't really want to go hang out with us. He just wants to be invited. As long as he gets an invite to whatever we're doing, he's satisfied and can sit at home by himself content. But if he gets left out from being invited, he feels like he's upset, he's mad, he's bitter, he's, you know, he wishes he got to got to be invited, get to be invited to the, you know, he doesn't even want to go with us. He doesn't even want to do it. But, but as long as he gets invited, he feels satisfied and content. And I feel like this is exactly what. Uh, what we're talking about. <laughs> Dude, that's, I mean, that's the thing. It, we could express it this simple, basic way. We're all looking to be seen, known, and heard. We want people to feel us, you know. I feel you. I feel you. And uh, when we're in that insecure state and we're constantly looking for the group that's going to accept us, We miss getting to the edge of our abilities, feeling um, that amazing feeling of actually cultivating and building the community and party we want to be a part of. So this applies to our most important relationships. This applies to, you know, maybe key business relationships. Sure as heck applies to, you know, marriage or deep relationships of partnership. Um, Applies to parenting. But in every way... You know, for, for the athletic team that says we have to go uh, build this season, 
so we can be accepted for the premier athletes that we are. Well, now they're trying to break into that rather than saying we are going to go after this because we want to be at the edge of who we are. We want to be at our best. This is We want to become the best version of who we are each day, growing like crazy. The overflow of that will be the championship. We want it bad. We'd be sad if it didn't happen. We'll feel amazing if we get it. But we're not going after it so that we can be seen as this. Because what happens, you get the championship and then you're like, oh, that wasn't so you know, awesome. You may not get that for 15 or 20 years, but there's plenty of ESPN articles that have been written about the hole that caves in on your heart when you're like, that didn't do what I thought it would. Um, you know, how many other people are doing that? You know, once I get married, it'll be better. Once I have kids, it'll be... And like, no, all of these things don't matter if you're not comfortable with who you are and overflowing and building the party that you want to be a part of, not the one you're trying to break into. Um... You you look at how businesses try to develop and tell a story and get traction in the marketplace. If there is not an interesting story on the inside where that company is taking on its own unique thriving culture, where it's got its own idiosyncrasies and uh, fun quirks, if it's not interesting on the inside... It will not sustain interest on the outside. It might splash in and capture people's attention for a moment or a season, but that will eventually fade and pass away. Why? Because they're trying to break into the party of the mass marketplace, you know, popular culture. If they can be content with the party they're building and who they are, and yes, they want to be smart about how how they tell the story and strategic about the different marketing channels, but if they want to be smart, They're going to develop what's on the inside to be so compelling that other people want to get into it. Um, And you can sniff out that insecurity so fast, and it's off-putting. Likewise, when you have the appearance, and we're not talking about faking it, but of too cool to care, then people want to join in paradoxical how this works. Um, go ahead. You going to say something? No, no, it's uh, it is crazy how that, how that works that way. Well, so for me, what I've seen a lot of people do, and this is where this breaks down for them is they think I don't want to make any kind of relational commitments because I'm worried that I'm going to lose myself in uh, those spaces. I'm afraid to commit. So I'm afraid to commit to, it could be a love relationship, afraid to growing a family. But it can also be the business implications of, I want to keep 17 options open and I want to flirt with all of them rather than saying, I'm going to take all of these options off the table and with laser clarity, go after this space. And I want to be the best I can be in this skill and I want it to land as deep and as uh, impactful into this very narrow market and let it grow from there. We're afraid to commit because we think this, I'm going to lose who I am if I commit. We stand at the grocery store. This has been proven in studies. There's 17 potato chips, and I can't pick one because I'm overwhelmed with choice. Uh, I look all the time at different things that come across my pathway in conversation or working with folks where... The approach is so general, nebulous, and watered down uh, because they're afraid to take options off the table. They're afraid to throw the dice and say, I'm going after this space, and I want to build the party here. Uh, And and they're afraid, you know, what happens if it doesn't work out? Here's what I would say to you. The more that you zero in and you figure out who you are, in that zeroing in, and it takes time, you know, because you're like, ah, I thought I was this, but I was really living that way to impress this group of people. Strip away the shoulds. We, you know, we've talked about that already in the mistakes. You actually find yourself in the midst of commitments, not the absence of them. Uh, so for me, an example of this is I hate home maintenance stuff, like not even mildly hate it, like hardcore Um, 
I just don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, part of that comes from, you know, your family of origin stuff. And so, you know, you watch what happens around your house growing up. And, you know, my dad would come home and my mom would bring him his sweet mint, his uh, mint sweet tea, you know, grew up in the South. And, uh, you know, she always kept it made. Um, I've been married 15 years and I'm still waiting on my tea. Uh, I remember when I was dating uh, my wife, Brandy, and uh, no kidding, the first time I went to her house and met her parents, we had dinner, and her dad asked me to grill chicken. Uh, I was like, what? At that point, I hadn't grilled very much. I didn't know what I was doing. I flipped that chicken like (laughs) 72,000. I'm sure it was dry as heck and disgusting. But so I... I'm there and I'm watching what her dad's doing because how he's engaging and interacting around, you know, cleaning up the kitchen and that kind of stuff. I was like, I'm going to know that's what's expected of me. Um, and it's so smart. funny. What's that? That's a smart. <laughs> well, I want to see the party that she's coming out of, you know? Uh, so as, as we get married and like come to find out he would wash the cars. I hate washing cars. Like, that's such a a waste of time to me. I'd rather read something. I'd rather work hard or play hard. Um, Doing stuff like that just doesn't fit in uh, to the paradigm of how I approach life. Um, And so I'm watching this, and we get married, and at different levels, I've had to mature and grow up and stop, you know, uh, being my own worst enemy, uh, by going, you know what? I need to take this on. I need to do this. I don't get the cars clean like I should. Um, I have aspirations to change that. And, uh, I've actually found a close place that will, you know, wash the inside and outside for you, which is growth for me if I take it there. (laughs) Um, and so I actually put it on my, on my task manager as a recurring task, you know, every so often to do that. Um, I have needed to step up in different ways, you know, helping around the kitchen, responding to things that she's like, you need to clean the garage. And I seriously, when I first hear those words, can be like, freaking, I don't want to clean the garage on the inside. I'm like, I want to do this instead. You know, I want to go take the kids to the pool. I want to go on a trail run. I want to watch a movie. I want to read a book. I want to do another podcast. I mean, it's, it's work or play. That just isn't there for me. Um, but here's what's crazy. In the presence of this commitment, I could lose myself and go, I don't want to do these things. I mean, when I was single, I didn't even do my laundry. I would drop it off at a laundry service. And it wasn't like I had crazy money. It was just a, it was like, hey, I could do this or earn a master's degree. Um, and so here I am in, in the throes of doing all these things and laundry and whatever. And she's like, you know, we need to clean the garage. And I've had to work really hard at taking, like cleaning the garage and make it something that I can enjoy. So what does it mean for me to listen to music? And we talked a little bit about this in one of the other mistakes. Um, but I've got to be careful that when I'm loading the dishwasher, you know, if I'm clanking the dishes, I want her, you know, if, if I'm doing the dishes and she's not noticing it, oh, I'm sorry, I'm accidentally clanking them so she'll look and notice, kind of like Costanza at the tip jar <laughs> uh, at, uh, you know, in Seinfeld when he wasn't getting noticed and he pulls it back out and they think he's stealing. I, I was walking down the road yesterday. I found a $5 bill uh, on the sidewalk, No, you know, just random out on this sidewalk. Nobody's around. And I walked into a coffee shop afterward, and I ordered coffee, and I put the tip there, but I didn't stuff it down in the cup because it's kind of full. I just put it on the edge, so it was like laying out on the side. You could clearly see the five. <laughs> I was like, I am George Costanza. Um, <laughs> but when I'm, when I'm doing the dishes, if she doesn't notice, it's like I'm clanging them, and then she looks, and she's like, oh, you're doing the dishes. Thanks. And I'm like, oh, oh, no problem. You noticed. It comes down to motive. Am I doing it to get something from her or am I doing it to give something to her? And here's what's crazy. In the midst of relational commitments, when we're building the party that we want to be a part of, there are often moments where we're doing things that we may not 
uh, love those activities. They may not come natural to who we are. They may not be our favorite things to do. We may not feel like they're the most authentic expression of our desires. But we're building that party we want to be a part of, and we're giving people what they need. And oftentimes we'll find that by giving them what we want, which is, you know, so what does Chris want? This goes back to mistake number two, the the fears. I want to be celebrated for what I do. So how do I recognize what I can do to help build the party that I want to be a part of? I celebrate others for who they are and what they do. Um, and, and so let me go back and say that. I want to be celebrated for who I am and what I do. I need both of those. And I want to give that to others. And so I want to celebrate the people around me for who they are and what they do. So I do the dishes and I want to be celebrated for doing them. And, and so many eye rolls are happening right now. You know, I can imagine so many women put up with so much crap where it's like, just freaking empty the trash. Don't make this a massive exchange of the needs of your identity. Uh, <laughs> but it's just, this is real life. And I've talked to enough couples and I just know this, how it works, you know. But if I'm doing the dishes and I've got to be noticed and I need her to see it, uh, then my motive is off. I'm doing it to be seen. I'm going to be malformed by that. And so how we find ourselves in the presence of commitments is that by learning to do the dishes, whether it's noticed or not, I'm able to focus on the kind of space or party I'm building, not just the one that I need to build out of my insecurity. So it's one thing to go, I'm not going to try to break into a party. I'm going to build the party I want to be a part of. It's another thing to say, okay, how am I building this party? Uh, so you may, you may have a vision to start a company or a business or a practice or a firm. And you say, this is the culture of what it's going to be like. We're going to have this culture. So I want you to get underneath that and go, okay, why do I want it to be this way? Um, you know, when I've started out in different places with leading teams or starting teams or starting a business and I say, you know, I want the culture to look this way. Why do I want it to look that way? Is it because I need to get something from it? Or is it because I'm setting that culture up so that I can give who I am? Um, So we run, you know, a a streamlined, nimble business. And um, there are reasons for that. One of those reasons is I want to keep a lot of flexibility so that I can give things away and the services we provide through our company to help people that may not always be able to get access to that help. Uh, and was able to do something uh, this past week with that. And it felt amazing, right? Nobody has to know what it was. You know, I'm not saying this now so I can try to get worth from it. I didn't have to get, uh, you know, a celebration of what I did uh, from that activity. I got to do it behind the scenes and give it away. And it felt amazing. And it's the party that I want to build. Um, so you're thinking through the culture, the team, the, the environment you want to build. And you have to know that you are the architect of that environment by the stories you tell, by what comes out of you in oftentimes those most subtle, inane moments. You know, as a parent, I can stress over my kid's behavior. And I can uh, freak out or power up or withdraw because they're not doing what I want them to do, which is me trying to build a party to get something. You know, make me feel good about who I am because of how you act. Uh, or just stay off my radar unless there's trouble because I just want peace and quiet. Then there's the party that I build because I want to give something. And I want to give them empowerment. I want them to, I want to help them learn who they are and how to bring the fullness of who they are into what they do in life. And I want them to learn how to relax their way into their own personal brilliance. How am I going to do that? I'm not going to stress over behavior and performance. I'm going to validate and investigate what's going on in their heart. I'm going to ask questions. So what's that? I'm giving something to them, not building a party to try to get something from them. So it goes back to this idea. We can find ourselves not in the absence of commitments 
but in the presence of them because it challenges us. It's hard. It's not easy. It exposes motives. But we get to learn some beautiful things about building that party. Uh, thoughts or questions? Tracking? Yeah, I think the... I mean, again, we're we're kind of what we've done previously in uh, in previous podcasts. We're sitting in a tension of of two extremes, and you've hit on it now. Is like to tell uh, like you could do you could do what you could do the same action and it be healthy or unhealthy, and the tell is the motivations. Am I tracking with that right? Like that's the that's totally. the. Uh, the thing we need to be aware of, I guess, yeah, is is what is the motive behind me doing this? Yeah, it's the clue. And why am I doing this? What do I want from it? You know, I'm going into the meeting, and we're going to make a completely different decision, or I'm going to drop this vision, or I'm going to sit and listen and get their feedback. Um, you know, whatever it is, why? What am I expecting to get from this? What in my identity uh, do I need to get affirmed that would block up my ability to give, not try to get? Now, here's the crazy thing. As the motive becomes healthier and as you learn to build the party you want to be a part of out of a secure identity, you get to really start building that party uh, around the needs of those that are weakest or hurting or need the most development in the community. And this is what's going to propel the mission forward. Uh, and so we're going to, I want to break this down because some people are going to want to push back and go, no, 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 you gotta, you gotta run with your best performers. I'm not saying that. Uh, I'm not saying that you don't need to do that because you do. So let me apply it in a bunch of different arenas, but just by telling a story. One of the things that we live with in our home is uh, one of our kids has severe anaphylactic allergies, dairy and egg, 20 minutes, stops breathing, intense, a game changer for our life. And it affects uh, so much of just the rhythm you know, uh, you know, a family and that we have to eat at home or if we eat out, it's got to be, you know, crazy vegan restaurants. And I can't tell you how, how much it's changed my life in a great way, uh, in what I eat and my awareness of eating to live and not living to eat. So I can truly say like, whoa, this has been powerfully life changing for us to experience. But not only because of that, but because of what it's taught me about building the party out of a secure identity. Um, So I know tons about soy ice cream. And I know tons about, you know, now almond milk and cashew milk ice cream. And when, when we first were, you know, as the family was getting older and we're all eating the same stuff, um, we're buying this ice cream that our daughter can have. You know, some of it was kind of nasty, like a metallic aftertaste. It wasn't anything to get excited about. Thankfully, they've made a lot of changes, and now there are some. Taste amazing. You couldn't tell the difference. It's wild. But what happens is how how really crappy would it be if I'm coming in with, like, this deluxe sundae from an ice cream store, and then I'm like, oh, here's your soy vanilla ice cream. Um, that would be awful, right? I would never do that. If I'm secure in who I am, because I want to build around her needs. I want to help her flourish. I don't want her to feel left out. I don't want her to feel uh, not included. Here's what's crazy. The healthiest parties actually organize around the needs of the weakest members. Uh, so if you're a team, let's apply this out in four different areas, the four different areas we've been applying these. Um, if you're a team and you want to get to the championship 
and you got five players in the court. Let's take basketball for an example. I know you don't know a lot about basketball, but just try to catch up with me as much as you can. Um, some of the podcast listeners have no idea why that's funny. And so, yeah, Brett works with the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> I know Jack about basketball compared to his knowledge. Uh, so anytime my analogy comes off awful or I'm missing the you know, I'm talking like a buffoon, uh, correct the terminology. Shut it down. <laughs> yeah. But so, so you got five players on the court, right? Um, you want to go as far as you can as a team. You need all, all five don't have to be at the same level of talent. All five don't have to be the same level of development, but all five need to be engaged and at the peak of their own personal game. Was that a good way of saying that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can have moments where maybe all five aren't and you can sub players, but if you only have out of what, what's usually a full roster for a team, 12 players. Yeah. 12 to 15. Okay. So let's say, yeah. So 12 players, if, if four are only at the peak of their own personal best game and the other eight, you know, four are at an A level of performance, ABC level, an eight or at a C level, that's a problem, right? You're limited by that. You can't have it carried just on one guy's back. And yes, there are superstars and yes, there are super performances. And yes, there are players that get in the zone and can turn the energy of a game. But if behind the scenes, the, the relational environment, the systems, the structure aren't paying attention to helping those other eight players get to the top of their game, while still encouraging the other four, they're never going to reach the potential of what they could do together. And what we so often do, and we're going to take this in different arenas, what we so often do is focus on where there's a ton of momentum and excitement, and, and we need to fan the flames of that, but we miss organizing around the needs of the weaker member. So this is what's happened in society generally. I mean, 2,000 years ago, if you're handicapped, uh, you are sitting outside the city gate. You're ostracized. You're shamed from your family. Uh, stupidly, you know, spiritual things are read into this, like there's some kind of evil that you have. And life sucks. 2,000 years later, and I'm not being trite with this, like I mean this, you get the best parking spots. Uh, you know, handicap parking is an amazing facet of the trajectory of human development. And the world is headed somewhere beautiful. And the long-form trajectory is that society continues, and there are always um, pockets of resistance against this, and there are always blips along the lines of history where dictatorial people manipulated the needs of the weakest. But for the most part, society is on a trajectory of continually saying, let's pay attention to the needs of the weak around us and create systems to help them. Does that make sense as an idea? Yeah, yeah. So, so what we're talking about doing here is when you build the party and you can do it with a secure motive and give to others... And if you need to help figuring out what to give, give what you want. So you want to feel like you belong, give belonging to others. You want to feel safe, give safety to others. You know, you want to feel like you're worthy, uh, you, you know, just for who you are or you want your performance celebrated, give that to others. Just flip it back, flip it back. So with the athletic example we're using, how can you keep the, you know, the the superstars developing and performing, but also notice where do we need to organize around the needs of the week? Um, I want to go on to these other arenas and that we can apply it to, but making sense so far, thoughts or questions? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a strong, like we talk about that on a coaching staff is um, the importance of that nine, 10, 11, 12th player on your roster who maybe they don't even get to play in games a lot, but, the value of those guys and uh, and what they can bring to the energy of a team or the chemistry of a team and and how much of that affects the the success of your group. Um, 
yeah, that's huge. It's not just the the star guys. I remember my dad was a was he's a college basketball coach and had a season where they were undefeated throughout the whole regular season. And anytime I would talk to him, he kept talking about how, yeah, but this guy's just not at playing his best ball yet. And the guy he's talking about isn't even in the rotation, like the normal game rotation. I'm like, that's crazy. But I mean, that's just how um, you know driven he is. And it's an embodiment of what we're talking about right now is, is get even the weakest player up to the edge of his edge of his abilities. That's it. Man, that so fires me up to hear that. Um, let's apply it to, because we've got these four groups, professionals. So you want to go out there and you want to build your own firm. You want to build your own practice. And you you take what we're talking about. You figure out where you're insecure. You give what you want. I mean, that's the, the quickest way that we can help you with this mistake. Stop making it and learn from it. And if you learn from it, is give the thing that you want to others in building your party. So what do you feel like you don't get enough of? Give that to others. Um, and it's crazy how by giving it, you start to feel it. Um, it makes me feel amazing to celebrate people, to celebrate them just for who they are. You're here. You showed up. You're alive. You're breathing. I mean, people listening to this now, I want to tell you that. Like, you're listening. You're trying to grow. Well freaking done. That's awesome. I love giving that. And I love receiving it. I love getting it. Um, But I'm going to focus on building that party. I'm going to give it. And so let's say you want to build a firm or a practice. Well, here's what people will do. They'll say, um, I want to put together this team. I want to go after this. And if you're not taking what we're talking about and organizing around the needs of the weakest, it doesn't just mean the example we use with athletics, the needs of the weakest is somebody that needs to develop in their skills. If you have, let's say you you build a, a firm for attorneys and you're, uh, you've got six attorneys in the mix and, um, you know, you've set the pace for this, you're respected, um, but... Even though you're respected, there's somebody on the team that is so insecure that they're constantly going around your back. And in meetings, they're whispering like, can you believe she? Can you believe what she did and she this? And and they're trying to tear you down to build a coalition, okay? A, that's dangerous and that has to be dealt with immediately if that can't be Uh, reconciled fast, they're not going to be able to stay on the team. But by doing that, um, you're organizing the team around the needs of the weakest because you're saying, we can't allow this infection to stay here. B, if they want to change and grow, then what do you do to help them get out of their own way with their self-sabotaging behavior and with their insecurity uh, so that you can build the culture around the needs of the weakness, the weakest so that you're not held back by this person. Now, this for me isn't like pie in the sky thinking. Most people will not change. How crazy is that? I mean, I'm my life's dedicated to helping people go through massive change. I've seen it in my life and I've seen it in tons of others' lives. Uh, I believe in the human potential for crazy change, neuroplasticity. Your brain can rewire. Most people will not. So part of having an environment where the needs are built around the weakest means that you're going to protect it from going toxic when people don't want to change for the healthy environment you're building. And a healthy environment empowers others. Or that you're looking to build systems and structures, uh, give them opportunities that in their insecurity – because not all people are malicious about it, right? It's in the board meeting where they can't own up to what they did. They can't just say, oh my gosh, I dropped the ball on this. I'm sorry. They got to hedge, bet, and blame. Um, you know, whatever. There's a, Everybody can diagnose this so well. Once you've been in that space, these behaviors are crazy clear in others. Yeah, We just got to see them in ourselves. But how can you build those systems and structures so that you can help people see how they're getting in their own way? And help them develop, right? Um, that's that's massive. So if you're building a firm or a practice, you're saying we've got to keep the needs of the weak as this community moves forward. This party we're building happens 
in our mind's eye, paying attention to it, because it only takes one maliciously toxic person to get you spending so much sideways energy you can't build the business, or it only takes one really insecure person that doesn't have to be off the team. They could be developed so that they stop doing that, but to bog down the exponential growth you could experience. Does that make sense, Brett? Thoughts or questions yeah. on that? No, I'm tracking with you. Okay, cool. Well, let's keep pushing it out. So another group that we're talking to in this resource, you know, startups, CEOs, founders that are in those earlier phases, and they're actually able to set the culture from the beginning. Um, What does it look like to set up the HR practices you want to set up? You know, just because... Uh, sometimes in corporate America, it's like this bloated bureaucratic game of red tape. You don't have to have that culture. You could have it simple and streamlined. You're going to attract people that want that. Uh, You're going to get to build the party you want to be a part of. And then to give what you want to get out of that party, you know, you build it around your ability to give and you're looking at how do we build around the needs of the week? Well, check this out. Apply this to the business. If your new product, your new offering, your new app, your new disruption can help somebody in a weak spot, it will take off. If there's enough people that struggle with that same thing. Um, I could use example after example of how I've been impacted by this. Uber comes to mind, you know, so been in the startup space a couple times. Last time Uber didn't exist. I sold a car. Thankfully my neighbor let me borrow his truck. Um, because again, you're just shuffling money around and most recently when I had gone into a startup space, I sold my car to get through one month. Uh, but what gave me a lot of confidence to do that was, um, we still have the other car for our family we can share around, but was having Uber that with this app, I can get around really easy economically. Um, so a weakness, so to speak in our financial portfolio, you know, getting the resources we need to get started, that business was built around that weakness, being able to share rides. And then I'm benefiting from it. If you can solve people's problem like that, then you know that you're going to have this product take off um, when there's enough people that struggle with that. You see the application of that, Brett, how that works? Yeah, for sure. I think also uh, something like I know I've had to break free from in this this concept is um, you don't need 100% of the market. Like you don't need to monopolize the world so everyone has your product like if you get just the people who are excited about the same thing you're excited about it'll be a fun party it'll be a sustainable um business model and and you're gonna have a blast doing you're gonna help a lot of people um i've had to i've had to allow myself to say um it's okay to be just one of the many voices in this space or one of the many products in this space, as long as like it's a full expression of who I am, and it's the I'm building the party I want to be a part of. Um, yeah, it. does that make sense? Totally. Yeah, I mean that's with Sight Shift. It's like we want to be world class. Uh, we want to go after this with. We want to play at the highest level, have a ton of fun getting there, but understand that we'll be one of. You know, at the level we want to be at, one of a few voices that's helping people, um, and and that's okay. We get to help the ones we get to help, and yeah, dude, love it. Build that party. Um, I feel like because we're talking about these four groups, uh, the fourth group, and my mind is drawing a blank right now. As we've been applying these, have we been applying it to like like the relational part with uh, having? You know, the relationships you value, spouse, partner, kids. Is that the fourth application we've been doing? Um, You're drawing a blank, That's my recollection. Too? Yeah, I'm drawing a blank, too. So I'm like, what the freak is my crazy problem? And I don't know, but you know what? That's the beauty of the podcast. You're in the moment. You're committed. So the options are <laughs> off the table, like we are talking about. Uh, and... 
I'm going to go with it. Well, when I think about, I know that I didn't even plan this when we first started doing these podcasts and I'm like, oh, I really want to go there. And the book we hope to make out of this, uh, go there in the book at the end of each section. But it's, it was just looking at the people that I was working with and it was, you know, the professionals, those in corporate America, startup CEOs and founders, and then, um, athletes. And so I think we've done all four of those applications. Oh, I know what I did when I talked about like the firm and the attorney thing, and that's kind of like the corporate America deal. But I do want to speak to this because it's specifically in corporate America. So now it's all coming back to me, coming back to me now. Celine Dion, that was free. Um, Dude, it's the morning vibe. Like I just have more to draw on than I do at 9.30 at Celine night. Dion's a normal part of your mornings? Is that what you're saying? Ooh, that, that came out weirder than I would um, That was definitely not what I planned. Um, but I, I, in leading organizations and layered uh, organizations with levels of employees, you know, I, here's what's real. When, when it's on you and, and, you know, you've got to make sure that the money's there for payroll, uh, the business is growing. Here, here, here's what's just a reality. In every team, and I'm not classifying people, I'm classifying their performance, and that's different. And leadership is really gross and sloppy when you can't separate the two. You know, I can say to somebody, um, I am so glad you're on this team. As a person, I love being with you. I love hanging with you. Uh when you do this and it scares the client away, that's the performance. I don't like that. We have to stop doing that. We have to improve that. So to be a really uh, savvy, articulate leader is to separate personhood and performance. Because if you just correct the performance real fast, it's going to block people up in who they are. Oftentimes, you're going to say, hey, when you do this, it scares the client away. I wish you would stop doing that. And what they're going to hear is, I suck as a person. I can't get my crap together. What's wrong with me? So we're going to separate the two. Now, don't say it if you don't mean it. You know, if there's somebody you want off the team, they need to be off the team. Um, you can't lead people well when you're frustrated at them. And if you've processed your own junk, gotten to the place that you have a secure uh, core in your leadership, because you may not like them because they're, you know, challenging you and it's making you feel insecure. We're not talking about that. We're talking about you've gone through these other mistakes and processed them and grown, and you you have a sense of leading from a secure core. Uh, they are not needing to be on the team. You know, if you if you're blocked up in leading them or you're frustrated at them or you know, it's hey, push them out of the nest. Let them go fly somewhere else. There's nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> but for most people. As you're working with them, they need this distinction of, I'm glad you're here. Let's change this behavior. Uh, and so what happens in some leadership conversations is there's a classification. Like you have A players, B players, C players. And, you know, the C players need to be off the team because the A players want to be on high-performing spaces. B players need to be developed to, into A players, challenge the A players to help the B players develop. You know, I get all that. And that's just a reality and leading teams, I've seen it to be true. I know this, uh, you know, through just a ton of experience. But here's what I would say. When you're developing people, if you're not attuned to not what you say, but what they hear, um, you're not going to be building around the needs of the weakest of even helping the B players become A players and keep the A players really focused and engaged. Uh, so I can say to you, you know, when, you know, and, and sales could be firing on all cylinders. Um, product development could be banging it out. And then marketing is just a miscue. The branding is about proving and it's gross and it's hypey and it's not telling an authentic, engaging story. Well, well, that's off. Who cares what's happening with the rest? You know, you've got to have everything, like the athletic example we were using, coming together in alignment. Well, let's say you roll into the marketing meeting and you're like, you know, what the freak's the problem? You, you know, you just go off. You're venting. You're frustrated. Okay, you may think what's heard is we've got to change what we're doing and get better. 
But because of the way that you're saying it, tone matters. Here's what's heard. Um, it's doggy dog world here. And we just got busted out for an inadequacy. And the most insecure in that room are hearing this. I'm inadequate too. And you've taken their edge off, right? And you can tell me all day long, this is too squishy, woo-woo, people shouldn't have to be coddled like this. And I've been in enough spaces to know all this is happening underneath the surface. So go ahead and get aware of it. Build the party that you want to be a part of. You don't want to be a part of a party like that. Uh, And start getting attuned to this. Go into that room and give to them what you would want. So, hey, guys, let me use this as an example. Hey, I'm glad you're here. Let's keep moving forward. Glad you're on the team. But let's change how we're having this conversation. How can we do that? And then if they don't have answers, you go find them. That's your responsibility. Give them resources to go get those answers. But if you can't go in that room and give what you want, you do not need to be leading. You're going to do more harm to good than good to people over the long term. Your life is not going to be celebrated for the contribution that it could be. You need to stop. There's nobody you're connected to uh, that is thinking that um, I wish he would be more of a jerk to get me motivated. I wish she would power up so that I could get on with it. Now, they may be thinking, I wish she would lead with more vision. I wish she would be more engaged. I wish she would be more inspired. Go back to the other mistakes and start figuring that out. But for this one, go in that room and give it what you want. So that's the four applications of these arenas. Uh, Hey, thanks so much for listening along for the podcast, guys, for this fourth mistake. And um, as you, as my voice, I'm going through puberty, uh, (laughs) as you dive into these and process this, if you want some more, go to chrismcallister.com. And we'd love to connect uh, some more and help out any way we can. Hey, thanks for being here, Brett. Thanks for being here, folks. Peace out. This has been The Sight Shift, lead podcast with Chris McAllister. Thank you for listening.